1: Today, we will be talking about your emails and why aren't my emails working. And this honestly has been one of the most requested
2: topics ever. Welcome to Email Einstein, a podcast by Flowium. It's time to start honing your inner marketing Einstein. Tune in for the data-driven tips that'll make you a marketing genius. Here, you'll find email marketing formulas and tips straight from the brilliant mad scientists at Flowium. It's time for your emails to start earning more money. It's time to unleash your Einstein. Hello hello everyone, Vera and Elisa here from Email Einstein. Welcome back. I actually have some cool and exciting news cuz I'm actually recording live from the official Flowium headquarters. <laughs> Our CEO is actually in the office next to me, Andre. What up, Andre? So, really really exciting stuff. It's also freezing. I don't know why people live here cuz this weather is not okay for any human being. So, really exciting episode ahead. But yeah, as always, Vera and I here, we are two email marketers at Floium and We are super passionate about email marketing, and because we love what we do, we want to share our insights with you. Flowium, our agency, is one of the fastest growing email marketing agencies in the world. We specialize in providing a premium, full-service e-commerce email marketing experience for all of our clients, and our service is tailored specifically for your business and is designed to help increase your online retail revenue. We deliver the right message to the right person at the right moment. That's what we're all about here at Flowium Live from New York, New York. Vera, this episode, like I am pumped that we're repurposing it because it's a real good one. It's a serious one. Serious.
1: That's a good one. That's a good one. Today, we will be talking about
2: your emails
1: and why they are not working, if they are not working. So, we will be talking to amazing Francis Baker from Clavio. Yay. <laughs> this was like one of my favorite, favorite episodes probably like from all of them. So deliverability 101, the word that I'm like really struggling with and why aren't your emails working? So let's do this. But before we go there, I have like one more exciting thing that I want to share with you. I just like, I can't, I I can't be quiet about (laughs) it tomorrow. I'm gonna see my team in like in real life. I'm like so used to seeing your faces and like this little zoom zoom windows, box, you know. But tomorrow, <laughs> yes, Zoom and then like my email inbox. And tomorrow I'm flying to New York to meet my team
2: and I cannot be more excited about Vera, it. It's been two years That's that insane. we've been working together and we've never met. And finally, no yeah, way. Yeah. So, yesterday, actually, wow. so it's February 1st for us today. for you guys who are listening when we're recording this, it's February 1st. So yesterday, January 31st was my two-year anniversary of working here at Flowium. So Vera, we've known each other two years and we will finally meet. And never... See- Yes, Which is really yes, I'm so
1: excited. It's like online dating <laughs> thing, you know? It's like It's, it's, like literally, the long distance it's literally online, online dating. dating. You know this, <laughs> you know this video when like the boyfriend meets the girlfriend for the first time in airport, <laughs> yeah. you know? This like oh. heartwarming <laughs> videos. That's how I'm going to feel tomorrow when I meet all of you. But enough about us and our long distance relationship. Let's go to the really good episode about why aren't your emails working or how to make them even more effective or how to make them to be delivered to even like more inboxes so let's do this
0: just starting with email marketing and clavio. learn the ins and outs of Klaviyo in a week or less with our step-by-step course no stress no confusion no nonsense go to KlaviyoMastery.com to learn more
1: Francis Baker. Hi, Francis.
3: <laughs> hey,
0: everybody.
1: Hey, Francis is a senior deliverability and compliance specialist at Klaviyo. He's our deliverability wizard. If we have any questions or any issues, he's he's our guy. <laughs> Francis has worked on the ground floor and helped build Clavio ascending infrastructure and deliverability monitoring tools over the past three years. And he has helped thousands of different accounts fight their way back out of the spam folders. And he <laughs> continues to do that. He's our deliverability warrior. <laughs> And uh, we're so grateful to have you today on our podcast,
3: Francis. Yeah, I'm extremely excited to be here. It's a pleasure to be here. and I'm, You know, I love talking about deliverability and compliance. I'm excited to jump into this.
1: I know. It's going to be like a party for three email marketing nerds. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But before we go to some serious questions, and we do have Like good juicy email marketing questions, Alyssa has a little game for you to get to know you better.
2: Okay, Francis, here we go. So this is our blitz Q and A session of the podcast. I'm going to ask you a few this or that questions. Just give us the first answer that comes to mind. If you have a follow up question, we might allow it. We'll see how it goes. Are you ready?
3: (laughs) Ready. I am. Ready isn't going to be.
2: (laughs) Okay. Awesome. First question: Text only emails, yay or nay? Uh, I'm going to go with. okay nice yes i love that okay east coast or west coast
3: Ooh, that's hard uh (laughs) born and raised in east coast but i love san diego so i'm gonna have to go with west coast
2: whoa okay nice very cool okay awesome third question eggs or bagels
3: And these are good questions. I'm a carb guy, so I'm going with bagels.
2: Nice. Yes. Okay. Sending emails to your entire list. Yay or nay? Nay. Yes. And that's a big nay, a resounding nay for all of our our listeners. Okay. Socks or bare feet?
3: (laughs) Ooh, I guess I'm going to go with bare feet if it's like, yeah, bare feet.
2: Okay. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Yes, always. And then last question Is Santa real?
3: Do we have any kids listening to this podcast? (laughs) No. No, I'm going to go with no. (laughs) Okay.
2: We might have like some like, like young email marketing prodigies that are listening to this, but like 12 year olds, I hope
3: I did not just spoil it for them,
2: <laughs> but I would imagine they're at least like 12 or 13, you know, like it feels like a five-year-old doing email marketing is a little, a little much of a reach. Well,
1: you know what, is sometimes it feels like five-year-olds are doing email I marketing. Whenever seeing this, like insane. <laughs> yeah, especially that.
2: when you have people who are like, send to my entire list of 200,000 subscribers. And I'm like, who told you that? Who actually gave you that, that insight? Don't do that. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, okay, Francis, now we're actually going to get started with like the really juicy stuff. This is the highly anticipated questions and and things that clients and clients of clients are looking for. So first question is, what is the actual definition of email deliverability and how is email deliverability calculated?
3: So email deliverability to me is the measurement of emails getting placed in the inbox. And one thing I do want to say is I do include promotions as the inbox. I know that it can be a topic that people might, you know, get heated or, you know, passionate about. Um, but my point of view is, you know, promotions is 100% the inbox. It's, you know, people do go in there. I, myself, love going the promotions when I have time. Um, and I'm a huge fan of the, uh, the, the tab from Gmail. So I'm glad that it's there. And, you know, how is email deliverability calculated? I guess my counter question to this is, are we talking about for like a brand? How do they calculate it? Or like how are inbox providers calculating it?
2: I guess the brand, probably for the brands, yeah. yeah.
3: That's okay. So yeah, for that, I think one of the best things, and this is one thing that I love about Klaviyo and I love about working at Klaviyo, is looking at your own data, looking at the open rates, the click rates, how your you know your community is responding to your emails. Ultimately, you know, there's that's my favorite way of doing it. Um, there's other ways of calculating it. You know, looking at potentially leveraging third party tools like a seed list. Um, one thing I always tell brands is if you're going to leverage third party service, always also compare it to your own data, right? Because your own data is not going to lie, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, that's one of the biggest things is looking at your open rates, making sure they look healthy, looking, making sure they're looking good and, you know, making sure there's no big red flags.
2: What would you say, what would you say is like healthy? And then what would you say is a big red flag?
3: Yeah. So I would say a uh, big red flag is definitely under 5% open rates. Um, mm. Any, And, you know, even I would say even, you know, a, you know, between like five and 10, that's still concerning for me. I would say very healthy, you know, 15%, 20% in that area, if not higher. I love obviously seeing higher open rates. I think, you know, above 20% is very healthy open rates. You know, that means your community is really enjoying your emails and they're clearly engaged and, you know, they're waiting for the next one. Got it.
2: So would you say that like, it's pretty, uh, (laughs) it's pretty irrational for brands to be like, we want 75% open rates constantly.
3: (laughs) Um. I guess it depends on the channel or the, um, cause I definitely have seen some brands, you know, and this goes really back to how you're, how you have things set up right. Companies that have, for example, double opt in, um, they have a really clear opt in policy, and people understand what they're getting. And or even they give, you know, the consumer the tr- their voice, let them be heard with like a preference page, right? You know, that's one thing I personally love is like when I go to go to unsubscribe, and instead of you know letting me just unsubscribe, they also give me the option to maybe downgrade to only you know certain categories of promotions or emails, right? And um, those are things I, as a consumer and as like a email geek, I huge fan of. Cool. But um, you know, I do think. Uh, You know, 75 is very high, uh, depending on, you know, the size of the company, you know, um, that also is a calculation. But but the thing is like transactional emails, you know, I definitely expect to see 75 for that. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it definitely depends. But I don't, you know, if that's your goal, I'm going to root. In your corner to get there
2: so okay nice so it is it is achievable it's not something that's so outlandish it just depends yeah. on how you get there yep. okay cool
1: and nice. well this is where it gets confusing for me so i understand mm-hmm. what is email deliverability but can you briefly explain what is senders reputation yeah like how is it calculated and how to check my sending reputation because we hear it yeah. all the time like we hear this Think all the time but like what is it like yeah Uh, so
3: yeah sender reputation is ultimately how the inbox providers uh inbox providers view your mail stream right it's you know your kind of your score you know everybody kind of obviously everybody does it different what they look at and you know we definitely talk about that uh but when it comes to like monitoring it there's there's a kind of a i would say two primary tools that i am a huge fan of uh, one Google Postmaster tools. Um, I recommend every brand to set this up, and the reason for that is because one, it tells you how Google is viewing you, right? It breaks it down both on the IP reputation level and the domain reputation um, level, but also the great thing—if you're a you know a techie person like myself—they uh, recently just rolled out an API, which makes myself huge fan. Um, it's something that ESPs. You know, we've been really asking for and wanting for since, you know, Google rolled this out years back. Um, and we've always been told it's, you know, it's on the roadmap or, you know, it's being worked on. And it's finally in the lights and huge fan. You know, it's free as well. Google Postmasters is free. The other one that a, I'm a huge fan is uh, Microsoft SNDNS, which is their smart network data services. Um, the thing with that is, is uh, it's IP only. So that's one caveat to it, right? So if you're a smaller brand, you know, it might not work for you. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, you know, depending on your ESP, they might, you know, they might give you access to it. If you're on a shared infrastructure, they might not. Uh, for Klaviyo, we we don't because it, you know, it does potentially expose information about our other customers, right? And we don't want to obviously risk that. Right. other thing with uh, Microsoft S and DNS is, it's not as insightful as Google Postmasters. Uh, it's still definitely useful and helpful, but it has kind of three categories of how it views the IP. Green is less than 10% of emails are perceived as spam. Yellow, it's between 10 and 90%. And then red is greater than 90%, right? So it's like, if you're in that yellow category, you really just wish they'd give you a hard number because uh, 10 to 90% is a wide range.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. Wow.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other tools that I do recommend is I know Sender Score. That's one that I always hear brands bringing up. But, you know, again, that's on the IP level. Uh, that's on the IP. And then Barracuda, I think it's like Barracuda Central. They also have a place where you can go in and kind of pop in your domain and pop in your IP and get how they kind of look at your you know, reputation. It's, you know, it's not super granular like Google Postmasters is, but it's still something. Um And, you know, Barracuda is definitely a big, you know, filter still out there that's, you know, used in the enterprise space.
2: So you would say I'm that in order to, as we yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm like, I don't have enough notebook space for this. So, okay. So in order to like really accurately, like configure, I guess you're sending reputation or check it on a regular basis, you would strongly recommend getting some kind of additional support, whether it be from Google or a different platform, that's going to kind of complement what you're already doing in Clavio, And then having that as kind of like a referral so or a reference point, I guess, so that you know yeah. where you're at essentially.
3: Yeah. Google Questmaster Tools is great. Huge fan of it. Um, and for most brands, right, uh, at least with brands I work with, um, you know, we work, for Contest clavio is, you know, we have a lot of worldwide customers. We have customers in Europe, in Australia, we have a lot in the US. And for the most part, most of our volume, the majority of all our, you know, brands volume is going to Gmail. Gmail is, you know, the dominant inbox provider. So, you know, you keep them happy and you keep in their good graces, most likely it's going to be a trickle effect where you, you know, you might not have to really focus on like these smaller ones, uh, depending on your, you know, your your audience, or who you send to. Gotcha.
2: Okay, cool. So what would you say are kind of like the key points that influence your email deliverability, and then also the reputation of you as a sender? And I guess this kind of stems back to or stems from like, okay, there are all these platforms and stuff. But like, what are we specifically looking for that will influence how your emails are delivering? And then also what your reputation is like for these inbox providers, essentially?
3: Yeah. Um, So before jumping into that, one thing I want to kind of like explain is not every inbox provider is the same, right? So Gmail might, you know, Gmail primarily looks at engagement very heavily where, you know, maybe Comcast looks at, you no know, engagement, but also looks at the IP reputation and not everybody looks at, you know, the same block lists or maybe any block lists. So, the, you know, the biggest thing that I think is the most important part around, you know, reputation and email deliverability is how are people reacting to your emails? Are they opening? Are they clicking? Do you, know, are there people marking as spam? Other things that the inbox providers, you know, might look at are like, are they forwarding? Were they responding, right? Those aren't things that, you know, we might not necessarily be able to track on our end, but there's still things that, you know, they enjoy seeing the other things are, you know, are you on any known block lists, right? For example, are you on like maybe a spam house or, you know, an impactful block list, um, you know, not all block lists are created equally, right? There's hundreds of block lists out there. Anybody can create a block list. The thing is, is not every block list has an impact, right? The big one out there is obviously Spamhaus. You know, they're very respected in the industry. They do a lot of great things for the email ecosystem and the internet in general. So, you know, they're still very heavily viewed by some some even major inbox providers. The other thing is, are you hitting, a, you know, the mailbox provider spam traps, right? Can
1: you briefly explain what are spam traps for those who, who, who don't know?
3: Yeah. Um, so spam traps, there's three primary kind of categories, right? There's pristine, which are ones that have never been used by anybody ever, right? So these are, you know, maybe ones that have just been pasted around the internet or maybe exposed on like a paste bin or something like that. Um in you know for you know for the spam trap operator, they don't expect to ever see legitimate email there right so if they receive email there, they know it's unwanted uh, then there's recycled which are maybe you know a domain or you know an email that was primarily used, but then when you know obviously expired because of you know no usage, you know for example yahoo you know microsoft if you don't log in after a certain amount of days they might you know shut off that email right maybe after a year of it hard bouncing they might turn that into like a spam trap it's more common for people to do that with domains right a domain that expires they buy it sit on it for a little bit then convert that into a spam trap to see if people are still following best practices around bounce management ultimately and then the other one is a typo right so for example instead of typing in gmail.com you type in gmail.com right That one obviously is a sign of maybe someone not using double opt-in, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, are you hitting these spam traps that the inbox providers ultimately operate is a big thing. Not everybody operates their own spam traps, but some do out there, right? And it's not something you're ever going to be able to get like a metric on, but it's, you know, it really just goes back to making sure you're following best practices around how you obtain emails, right? You know, definitely never buy a list, please. But, you know, we can definitely talk about that later. You know, double opt-in is great. If you're not going to use double opt-in, maybe, you know, your legal team doesn't feel it's needed. uh, Use something like ReCAPTCHA at least. And the reason for that is, you know, there's list bombing out there, which is bots that just go to websites and just try to flood emails in there uh, to get them signed up. And, you know, a lot of these times these emails are legitimate. They're real emails out there. So, you know, using like a third party service, you know, that might verify whether an email is legit or not. It might not catch that. Right. So, you know, you got to make sure you have a strong defense as well. Um, and then the other thing is content, nothing like using like too many emojis or, you know, you know, for the most part, all the big major inbox writers have, you know, moved to a more sophisticated system, right? So having the word free in your subject line in all caps isn't going to cause your email to go to spam, but, you know, potentially linking to like a known malicious site, right? For example, and you know, one thing I always, always like to mention here is avoid free URL shorteners, right? Um, don't use like a bit.ly or anything like that because, you know, for you, it might track, you know, data for you, but for someone malicious, it also masks, where that link is potentially going. Mm. Uh, so that's, you know, one thing to always keep in mind as well. I didn't
1: realize that. Jeez, Louise. A big
2: one. <laughs> I feel like I've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> like, wait a second. I missed a lot. I missed a lot of the delivery. There,
3: there's, a, there, there's a lot to this world. Um, And I love it because I feel like even being in it for three years, I know people have been in it for so much longer. And I, you know, I love talking with them because every time I walk away, I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm new here. (laughs) Because, you know, it's constantly evolving. There's just so many things out there to learn. You know, that's why I love it
2: wow geez louise okay so a lot of this has to do clearly with the inbox providers so how can you actually train those inbox providers to recognize you as a good sender if you're just starting out with email marketing
3: yeah love this question by the way one thing i will say is you know when you're starting fresh one of the biggest things i and this is one thing i mention or recommend to every customer who's new with clava or any esp i'm talking with people in the industry—is set up as much automation as you can And the reason for that is, and for clavio context, we call it flows. You know, when you're setting up automation, right, it's going to be action-based, right? Someone going to your website and maybe registering, just welcoming them, right? Right. Um, When someone subscribes to your newsletter, welcoming them, just saying, hey, you know, give them some information about you, you know, let them hear your story. You know, every brand I've ever talked to always has some cool story about Mm -hmm. how they got there. You know, whether it's the CEO was, you know, doing something before and they just stumbled upon something that someone needed. Um, And he just built it. Or it's a situation where it's like, you know, it's, you know, it's a family owned business. You know, people love to hear about who's behind that curtain of that brand. Right. Um, And so, you know, delivering that story is going to make them feel connected to you. And, you know, it's going to make them, you know, potentially stay longer engaged. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, you know, with automation, what's great about it is it passively earns you money as well uh which you know obviously is the big thing when it comes to email marketing is driving additional revenue um you know for example abandoned carts um you know subscription notifications letting people know that they're running low on you know you know maybe you know something they purchased from you whether you're in you're like a supplement business or something like that but you know i think you know the biggest thing is definitely automation trying to automate a lot of the the big things because you know when someone performs an action and then you send them an email you're relevant on their mind right you're top of mind you know, they're going to recognize you where a campaign, you know, someone might have, you know, you know, they might not be in their email every day. So, you know, I think that's one big thing. But the other thing is making sure you have a strong, clear kind of opt-in, you know, practice, right? You know, for example, like I was talking about before, double opt-in or recapture. But the other thing is setting the right expectations with your customers. Um, And I think that's a huge thing, even Mm -hmm. from my point of view as a consumer, right? When I go to a website and, you know, maybe adding something to my card, them letting me know that, Hey, right now it's checked. If you uncheck it, you're not going to receive emails from us, but this is what you're going to receive. And I think that's also a great point to even ask them their preference, right? Try to learn more about your community, you know, listen to them, right? Cause you know, when you listen to them, they're going to stay around longer. Right. And you know, one big part of email marketing is, you know, getting new faces in those funnels and it's not always cheap and it's not always easy. So right. if you can keep them there longer, it's just going to obviously provide more longevity.
2: Right, right. And it's always, I guess, retargeting an existing customer is always going to be way less expensive than actually going out and finding a new customer. So that makes 100%. a lot of sense.
1: So Francis, um, so you are recommending to start from the flows and only after you have them for a while do the campaigns,
3: correct? You can definitely do campaigns while you have automation going, um, but, um, you know, I think one of the best things when you're starting out fresh is getting those automations set up as soon as possible, because it's one of those things, it's like, especially working with brands who are transitioning from one ESP to another, one of the biggest things when you're transitioning is like, I have all this data in my old platform, and it's not necessarily quick to move over potentially, right? Um, for at least for Klaviyo, you know, we have some integrations with other ESPs, but there are a bunch out there, right? There's probably hundreds, you know? out there. Um, and we don't integrate with all of them and, you know, some of them, it's not always easy to get the data you need out. Um, so if you set up that automations while you're transferring everything over, you know, it just makes it a little easier because you're starting to build up that reputation on this new email provider or on this new mail stream. Um, and you're, you know, you're starting to warm it up already, right? So it's going to make it, you know, a little easier for you later down the road. Are
1: there any specific flows you recommend to turn on first or or it doesn't matter?
3: That's a really good question. I would say one that I think is huge and it's a great one is the welcome series. And that's personally because I love... One thing I love is when I opt into emails is just hearing stories, right? Like I was just talking about, you know, I'm really passionate about the email world. And you know, it's always cool to hear how people got to where they are, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. So I definitely think welcome series is huge. Also welcome series is a great way to obviously drive revenue, right. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. explain to them who you are and then, you know, give them some credit, you know, give them like a coupon uh, or, you know, discount code or whatever it may be. Other ones that are, you know, really great uh, abandoned cart, you know, browse abandonment. Those are obviously great because they're action-based as well, you know, like we were talking about, but, you know, I think, you know, definitely transactional emails are great, you know, making sure that way people know when they purchase something that it was successful. Right. Um, and if your you know, your e-commerce platform doesn't offer that or it's definitely important to have that uh, letting them know that it's been you know, successful or if there's any issues letting them know, you know, just being it's always better to over communicate, especially when it comes to like, you know, purchase than under communicate. Cause you know, when you under communicate, then they might reach out to support, um, or you might leave a bad taste in their mouth. Right. And
1: usually welcome series, like just looking at the stats from my clients, welcome series, that very first email, it has like the best open rates and click-through rates. So in a way you are training yep. those systems to see you as a as a good guy in, in yep. email marketing. So that's a good one. So I guess it's not a good idea to start from like Winback series or Sunset Flow or whatever. It's better to start from yeah. those like high high performing uh, flow. Definitely. Right?
3: definitely. I would definitely mm-hmm. not recommend... And I've seen that before where brands will come over in the first campaign, they try to send out this open back campaign. And, you know, it's one of those things I always ask myself why, uh, you know, usually at that point it's a great education opportunity to explain them how inbox Fridays are like thinking, right. Um, you know, you're a new sender and they don't know yet how to trust you or how to handle your mail. Um, one thing that I always tell brands is it's easier to fix your reputation then it, it's easier to build a new reputation, right? Because one thing I always get asked is people are like, oh, I have, maybe our emails weren't performing great in our old ESP and we're coming over to Klaviyo and we just want to start fresh. Um, so we're thinking about buying a new domain. And I'm like, please, please, please don't do that. Um, <laughs> and, and there's a couple of reasons there. One, like I was saying, it's easier to rebuild your reputation. But the other thing is, is domain age does get taken into account in certain in providers, um, right? Ooh. So if you have this fresh brand new domain, it's like you could try everything you want, making sure you're following best practices, but you could still run into issues. That's just purely because the domain is so new, right? Um, domain age is definitely something that I know even on our side of the house, on the compliance side of the house, we take into account as well. Um, and the reason for that is because, you know, malicious actors, fishers, people who are trying to, you know, uh, maybe do something fraudulent, you know, a lot of times those domains don't last long. Right. And so, right, seeing a very older domain or a more established domain, right, those are positive signals right out of the game.
2: Well, yeah, and I guess it just shows the longevity. It's kind of like, I guess, uh, like credit. 100%. When these like credit unions and stuff are like trying to determine how high your credit is, your credit age has a lot to do with it. So I guess it's kind of the same with your domain is mm-hmm. like the longer in use your domain is and kind of the, the more credit you have behind that domain. And it just makes sense to improve it versus is like, well, we'll just start from scratch and I'll start with a zero credit score and work my way up kind of thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh, Makes let's
1: talk fun. a bit more about those like new accounts. What are the safest ways to build your email marketing list fast? Is it a good idea to say buy a list when I'm just starting out with email marketing?
3: Yeah, so the short answer, no. Uh, <laughs> and I'll explain why. Um, I, I know I mentioned this before. Uh, so I'm going to answer it for kind of from like two different points. One, the compliance mm-hmm. side, right? Uh, Depending on where you are in the world, it might just be illegal right out of the gate, right? So last thing you want to obviously do is start off, you know, start off your new business in breaking the law, right? Um, That might not, you know, land for a long successful business. But besides that, a lot of ESPs, like Claydio, for example, we won't tolerate that, Right. Um, I've had those hard discussions with brands saying, hey, you know, our kind of road has come to an end here because of, you know, ultimately deciding to buy a list. And it's never fun. I don't enjoy that part of my role. Okay, But, you know, it's one of those things that it has to happen, right? Because when people are buying a list, you don't know where these lists are coming from. You know, there could be, you know, a spam trap in there that might you know, cause like a spam house listing. And, you know, that impacts not just one brand, but all our brands on our shared infrastructure. And, you know, my primary goal is to try to help as many brands get into the inbox as we possibly can. Uh, And so one bad actor, you know, does not outweigh all our good actors. Right. And then from the, you know, the deliverability side of the house, uh, is think about that user experience, right? You know, one thing I've been talking about a lot so far is user experience or listening to your community. And, you know, if you randomly got an email from a brand you don't recognize, how are you going to respond? I know personally, I'm going to, and this is mostly because I'm in the email space, I'm going to either A, really make sure I haven't ever engaged with this brand, right? Maybe I haven't gone there. Once I'm content that I haven't gone there, I'm going to market as spam, mm-hmm. right? And those are not good signals that you want when you're first starting out. And those aren't user experiences you want either, right? Because you know that person who you might have purchased that list that could have been a real customer right? right and instead of them being like hey i love this brand go check out xyz instead they're like hey that person spammed me don't go check out xyz right, right. And okay. so
2: that's interesting that's so funny are, so your job yeah, is kind of like a like Doctor yeah. slash like referee slash like mayor yeah. slash like community
3: <laughs> ambassador. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. <No> uh, world. <laughs> yeah. I'm good cop and bad cop. That's,
1: That's great. That's wizard. So great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Magician. Magician. You know like magician. <laughs>
2: Sorry, dear, I interrupted you. What were you?
1: Gonna no, have? no. I was just like wondering what are the most deliverable see it happened (laughs) what are the most deliverability friendly ways uh, to build your email list
3: yeah, um, good one thing they're
1: healthy and fast as well.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, and this is one area that I'm trying to learn more on um, because I have a lot of knowledge around email deliverability and compliance, and I'm trying to learn more around the the marketing world. Well, yeah, I guess one thing I think that's huge is thinking kind of outside the box, right? You know, one thing that I see a lot of brands do when they first kind of get started, depending on you know obviously the brand, e-commerce, this might not work, but one that I I'm a huge fan. One website I'm a huge fan of is Product uh, Product Hunt. Think that's what it is. I'm now drawing a plank where you can go and find like new, you know, products that are launching and you know you can engage with them. And you know, a lot of these times these are made by people who are, you know, just a side project or maybe a weekend project or something that they're just spending time ultimately to sit down and build. Um, and that's how I find a lot of great tools that you know that's how one tool that I love is that's how I found Notion. I don't know if you've ever heard of Notion, but it's it's kind of like uh, like a note taking and you know um, Trello all in one. It's really nice. Huge fan of it. And That's how I found them. But I found a lot of products through there. Uh, but the other thing I think for like e-commerce at least is you know just you know when you're starting out is you know ultimately just trying to figure out a way to you know the biggest thing is ultimately driving traffic. And once you get that traffic there, maybe it's from Facebook, Google Ads, you know, Instagram, whatever it may be. At that point, it's just really just trying to you know convince them that what you're doing or what you're you know, going to send them is, you know, going to be interesting. Right. So whether it's, you know, like I was talking about, you have a cool story or, you know, for, you know, you guys obviously have your podcast, right. Uh, I've seen a lot of brands, you know, kind of exploring into different territories with COVID, you know, they're starting to join, you know, maybe podcasts with other companies or brands like themselves, you know, that's one way to obviously get some spotlight on you. Um, you can do one thing that I know is very common in the e-commerce space is giveaways. I love giveaways, but I think the biggest thing is depending on the platform. Um, and I'll say that. And the reason for that is some platforms, they really try to make sure it's clear and transparent when people are checking out this giveaway that they're going to be opting in. Um, I've seen some where it's like, you got to individually check every brand that is on there. I love it from the compliance side and the deliverability side, because it's super transparent. So I think that's a good way if you're going to do it right. Yeah. This is one area that I definitely need to uh, get more knowledge on, but we so all I do, do We
1: all do. That's yeah, like the question do. that we keep getting from the clients. And we were like, Oh, you can do no. the exit intent the welcome yep. series. Yeah. No, like, you yeah. Know. But yeah, you're, yeah you're, sign forms you got to be great. creative. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah. That, that is one thing, right? Is you got to be creative. You got to, you got to get pe- people interested, right? That's the biggest thing. Um, once you get them interested in your brand, that point is just really just convincing them that, Hey, what you're going to send them is what they expect to receive. And I think that's, you know, like I was talking about is one thing I love is when I go to a website and they just give me the option of what I want to receive. Right. So it's like maybe just product launches or maybe it's just sale, uh, you know, sales, you know, stuff like that. Or, you know, depending on where your brand does, you know, you could also think of something creative there. You know, for example, if you're in like a a health space, you could also maybe, you know, send not just campaigns about Mm -hmm. your products, but, you know, maybe workout related stuff. Right. Right. Um, Things like that.
1: And I also noticed that this campaigns about the community perform really yeah. well. So, like, here yeah. is the story of our customer. For some reason, this campaigns, oh my goodness, they perform yeah. like magic. Do you have any? Do you have any brands that you are like waiting to 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 get in your in your inbox? Like, yeah, some um, favorite brands I- of yours.
3: I wouldn't say necessarily brands one and I try to like when it comes to like subscribing to like newsletters and stuff like that, I'm very much so the type of person where I love to just hear, you know, read about promotions and hear about the story. That's my big thing is I love to hear about the story of like how they got started. <laughs> but my thing that I really love is really good email. I love that newsletter. Huge fan. Oh yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. They're great. And, and you know, it's not necessarily a brand, but you know, they're, you know, they're talking about what's going on in the industry. Uh, What, you know, what's new, you know, maybe, what ESP is you know put out this article or what brand has done this etc I don't know I love that website I go there I'm just like wow this is really creative content and as someone who does not have that skill set of making things look beautiful it's cool to see people who do
1: right right so that's the really good emails.com or what's the is that the yeah. one you're talking about yeah, yeah. I, I love them oh I my love gosh. I'm like I'm I'm opening like each and every email yep. that they are sending it's really yep. good. every
2: single one mm-hmm. like actually every single one Yeah. Um, So, Francis, just a few more questions. So this has more to do with like like list cleanup, because this is something that we get asked a lot as well as like list hygiene, list cleanup and specifically for better deliverability. Mm -hmm. So are there like any kind of like strategies or tactics that you would say that we should start going about with regards to how to clean the list? And then I have a few follow up questions, but we'll start with that one.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So one thing I I'm a huge fan of is so yes you can definitely list clean which is great um one thing i think is also really beneficial instead of list clean and kind of like making sure who you send to is just always engaged right mm-hmm. and the reason for that is because when they stop becoming engaged they'll then exit that segment or at least with Klaviyo, we call it segments i don't know what other email service providers might call it but just like like a dynamic list ultimately mm-hmm. um, based off of you know behavior right obviously you build these to be engagement related behavior but When it comes to you know, how can I clean my list better, I think one thing I always see brands do, or you know, they think might help them is, you know, including criteria that maybe the inbox buyers don't see, right? Mm -hmm. For example, someone purchasing or stuff like that. One thing I always tell people is like, I myself, I have a lot of different emails, right? I have, you know, some that are just purely for like really important, crucial things, right? Pass you know, that are like dedicated to say my, you know, my bank or, you know, my Amazon account. So if anything ever happens, I know if I'm getting a notification there, it's not good potentially. Mm -hmm. And then I have emails that are just strictly for like promotion related, like my general email, Right. And I go into that email as much as I can, but not every single day. And so, you know, if someone uses, if someone purchases, it doesn't mean they're necessarily engaged with your email, right? Maybe email isn't the right channel for them. Right. Maybe that person prefers, prefers an SMS, Uh, you know, that's something that's obviously starting to blow up more is SMS marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, like we were talking about, you know, before it's easier to re-engage or retarget people who've. You know, shown interest than it is to get new customers. So,
2: right, right, right.
3: Maybe creating like a custom audience with Facebook and retargeting that person on there to drive them back to your website. Gotcha. Um, it's a great option. But I think one of the biggest things is making sure you don't include criteria that inbox provider might not see, right? Just because someone purchases does not mean they want your emails, right? They might just want your product, um, which I see all the time. And I'm myself as, I've done that before where it's just like, you know, I might not opt into your emails because, you know, I know it's just like I'm buying this product once and I'm going to be done with it. For example, a water bottle, right? It's like, I'm not going to buy a water bottle every month.
2: Right. Um, Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So how, how often would you say you typically need to clean your list?
3: Yeah. Um, I would say it's, it depends on like your setup, right? So I've seen some brands that will, and this is like, you know, like I was talking about is like, you know, if you're more targeting the engaged people first and then you have like a sunset flow and then at the end of the sunset flow, you then, you know, maybe go in there once a month and just suppress those people or remove them from the marketing side of the house and, mm-hmm. you know, obviously make sure they still get the transactional, right? Um, Cause if they do come back, you want to make sure they still get those in- crucial important emails that let them know that, Hey, you're, products on the way or whatever may be. So I think generally what I recommend is, you know, customers to do it, you know, depending on the situation is overall, your performance is good. Maybe once a quarter, uh, maybe once every couple of months. But if you're, struggling with inbox placement or you're struggling with open rates and maybe start to do it more frequent or like i was talking about instead of you know doing list cleaning just target more engaged people that way it's automated and you kind of just do it right and like you know at least for klaviyo you know you can have profiles in there that you might not have to communicate with which is fine right because you know you might communicate them through another channel right uh, like sms or push or whatever maybe
2: so when it comes to Okay. So like, for example, with like a sunset flow or like when you are doing that cleanup, mm-hmm. when it comes to like deleting versus suppressing accounts, what, what's the recommendation? Like, what is that supposed to look like? Sometimes I personally find anyways, I have a hard time explaining to clients what suppressing an account means and why we do that versus deleting it or yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you could provide some clarity on that, that would be huge. Yeah,
3: for us, Clavio, right, you can have as many suppressed profiles as you want, right? We, we're not going to charge you. What's good about having suppressed profiles or deleted profiles is when you suppress them, we keep that data about them, right? Mm-hmm. Their purchase history. Maybe if they filled out, you know, a preference page talking about their pet or, you know, giving you their date of birth, you know, a birthday flow or something like that, um, we still have that data. So if they ever do decide to come back one day, maybe in like a year or whatever it may be, you have that data. So you don't have to re-ask to them again. Right. And so it's just like a nicer user experience. But the other thing is, no, that data might be useful for you, right? In case of something ever comes up where you know they're like, hey, I opted out of this. Uh, why am I still receiving your emails? I've had those situations many times and it's because people, instead of suppressing them, they go and delete them and then maybe a resync happens or import happens, you know, you know, something's new and they're just making sure all the data is in the account so they import it again. Most people are now being brought back in but if they were suppressed, they wouldn't have been reactivated and they wouldn't have received those emails. And I
1: feel like people don't always realize that no, they are not paying for suppressed accounts. <laughs> so that's like a, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a big yeah. one, right?
3: Yeah, I think at least for Clavio, I know that's how we do it. I, I, I don't know about
1: speak. other yeah. platforms friends yeah. that I'm just like speaking about with Klaviyo yeah.
2: yeah so obviously you want to keep that data in the background for a suppressed account but what's the process of getting that account reactivated like can you as the brand do it on your own in the back end does the does the suppressed account have to actually go out and do it how does that work
3: uh it depends on what they're suppressed for I guess you'd say right with Clavio, again speaking for context a profile can become, become suppressed for a, like a wide range of reasons right marked as spam for example unsubscribed uh, manually suppressed like for example you going in there and doing it yourself depending on the reason- and, you know, the user might be able to do it. For example, if it's an unsubscribed, the user, the marketer, like the Klaviyo account owner can do it um, or the user themselves can do it who unsubscribed by just resubscribing, right? For marked as Spam or Hard Bounce, those take someone on our team to do it. And the reason for we have that kind of safeguard yeah. is just in case something happens, right? Um, for example, typically when it comes to a marked to Spam, it's, you know, obviously that's a bad signal. Um, same with the Hard Bounce, you know, that's saying the email's no longer existing, Um, and so we kind of have safeguards there and that's just mostly to protect our reputation and our customer's reputation, um, for soft bounces, you know, for example, inbox full stuff like that, a user can go in there and remove that suppression.
1: Cool. Well, I, I mean, I have like a gazillion more questions (laughs) but we will not, we'll not have enough time to, to ask them all, but but thank you so much. Actually, I, I, my notebook is like full of (laughs) good notes and ideas like that. To implement (laughs) with some of my clients. And uh, thank you so much for coming, Francis. Yeah, honestly. Honestly,
3: Super helpful. Honestly, it was my pleasure. I loved it. I was super nervous and I still am. Uh, so if that comes through, I, I am sorry. No, but no it was, don't be it was,
2: nervous. <laughs> we're nervous to talk to you because you're like the ultimate clavio, like deliverability you're pro. And that's something that we're know? like,
3: oh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but no, it, it was great chatting with both you. And, you know, I'm excited to see you guys keep growing and, you know, I'm excited to see us keep growing too. Awesome. But, you know, if anything comes up, definitely don't hesitate to reach out to me. Um, if, you know, if you get any good follow-up questions and you want to get those answered, Definitely don't hesitate, you know, awesome. I'm here to help. I love talking to the community. I love helping people. Where are
1: people good. can That's find to you, actually, if they have any follow-up questions?
3: I'd probably say the best channel is LinkedIn. I'm very active on there. You know, mm-hmm. if you just look up Francis Baker, probably the only one that works at Clavia that I know of. So if I have <laughs> someone else there, uh, I got to talk to someone. Yeah. But yeah, LinkedIn, <laughs> yeah. you know, is probably the best place.
2: Okay, awesome, and we'll include a link for your LinkedIn in awesome. the description box of the of the podcast so people can click through and everything. So, and guys, just as a, a kind of reminder, so Francis is like the king of deliverability when at at Clavio, and it's a relatively smaller department, but it's grown over time, and and he's still kind of the the big cheese over there. So, definitely a really good resource and a good reference point if you do have questions, and if you're interested in finding out more about Clavio and like deliverability, and you're working with another ESP and you want to hop on, he's definitely definitely... Definitely a great person to reach out to, as I'm sure you've you've heard in the goodness in his voice. So (laughs) definitely, (laughs) definitely reach out. Definitely reach out. Guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. This episode, we'd like to give a very special shout out to a team that's based out of Greenville, South Carolina. I actually had the pleasure of meeting them last week at the Unspam conference from really good emails. It was a lot of fun. So Robbie and Avina and your whole team down there in Greenville, this episode is for you guys. We hope that uh, you continue listening. Thank you guys for being such awesome fans. It was so cool meeting you guys. If you guys want to look them up, Robbie Fitzwater. He's actually an MBA professor over at Clemson University. Super, super cool guy. Very, very knowledgeable. He made this um, funny like metaphor about email marketing when we met him where he was like email marketing within the digital marketing world is kind of like the guy that your parents wanted you to date in high school, right? He's not that (laughs) sexy, but he's pretty nerdy, but he has like a really good ahead of him. Whereas like social media marketing and other forms of digital media marketing are like the cool edgy, like leather jacket wearing stud who rides a motorcycle and stuff who you're like, well, he's a bad boy. I have to date him. But in reality, Mm -hmm. you (laughs) always end up with the nerd from high school who does really well, well in life. So just remember that. Remember that nugget. I love this. And thanks for this. that to us, Robbie, I that love was this so much. Hilarious, hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> and as always, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Make sure that you leave a review if you like what we do. Go to flowiam.com slash socks. If you take a screenshot of the review that you left us, we will mail you some socks to your home. I'm actually sitting in front of a giant pile of Flowiam socks. Would you believe it? <laughs> so they're here, oh ready to be mailed out we're just waiting for people to go ahead and submit their review and then just as a quick reminder we are currently and actively hiring for project managers here at flowium so if you maybe aren't necessarily as passionate about email marketing as vera and i but you feel like you could get there or you want to really dive into a career that is really exciting especially within the digital marketing world make sure that you visit us at flowium.com career and check out the role see if you think you'd be a good fit and apply we'd love to uh,
1: have you join our team yay and next week, we will be talking not just about email, but also about SMS, that uh, sexy leather jacket thing <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So next week, we will be talking about SMS and top three SMS automations you have to set up in 2022.
2: Love so it. come back next Tuesday. And we'll see you there. See Bye. you then. Thanks for listening to Email Einstein.